नमस्ते सुस्वागतम एंड वेलकम टू वर्ड्स ऑफ विजडम ज्ञान गंगा ऑन आ विराट हिंदुस्तान संगम सोशल मीडिया चैनल्स टुडे इज एपिसोड नंबर 220 ऑन संडे द लास्ट संडे ऑफ द कैलेंडर ईयर 2023 एंड वी हैव अनदर प्रोग्राम एंड द टॉपिक इज टेलीकॉम्स एक्ट 2023 मॉडर्नाइजिंग मेजर्स और टूल ऑफ रिप्रेशन एंड फॉर द नेक्स्ट 45 to 50 minutes we will have dr subramanyam swami and dr venkat ayer discussing this topic which is of a, a serious nature especially in india and i wish to introduce dr venkat ayer who is our guest today you are familiar with him he has done the legal gyan ganga program with dr swami in the past on saturdays and today he is as a guest on our program today i'll give you a brief introduction of dr venkat ayer dr venkat ayer is a barrister and academician based in northern ireland he is attached to the school of law at ulster university northern ireland where he teaches media law constitutional law and business law dr ayer has been in legal practice since 1981 and is amongst other things he is a trained mediator dr ayer has lectured in several foreign universities continues to be a visiting professor in several institutions he has also acted as a consultant to several governments private corporation and non governmental organization namely government of kenya bhutan and vanavatu in 2003 2004 and again in 2012 he was invited by the royal government of bhutan to advise on the draft media law for that kingdom dr ayer runs training courses on media laws and media ethics for newspapers and media organization around the globe dr ayer has been engaged in designing and delivering capacity building program for judges and magistrates in various jurisdiction and frequently <coughs> i'm sorry runs judicial training program dr ayer is the author of several books and articles and the editor of two journals the commonwealth lawyer and the round table commonwealth journal of international affairs both published from london we welcome dr ayer to our program and with this word it is over to dr swami to initiate today's discussion on the telecon act 2023 over to dr swami <clears throat> thank you jagdish and uh, welcome to dr venkat who's a long old standing I mean, he's young, but he's an old-standing uh, friend of all of us. Uh, he was in Bombay uh, for many years uh, before he migrated to the universities in uh, in Ireland, and uh, now he's become internationally well known in the fields that he is uh, specializing. One of them is, of course, in this uh, this question of the uh, uh, what we are seeing today is the essentially the right of privacy uh some years ago uh, the supreme court uh, had decided that uh, given the constitution of india a uh, right to privacy is also a fundamental right it is included as part of article 21 and uh, and so today uh, anyone who takes away uh, the right of privacy uh, would be violating the fundamental rights except that uh, fundamental rights themselves are subject to reasonable restriction now we want to know whether this particular thing of introducing pegasus into uh, at will the government and the government's uh, free hand in uh, you know listening to other people's uh, telephone calls for example uh, is a, is in fact a reasonable restriction uh, of course i believe it's a very unreasonable restriction unless someone has uh, proved to be a uh, prima facie uh, by the court i mean just not the prima facie of any police uh, institutions but uh, uh, if the court has held there's a prima facie guilt uh, which requires uh, in you know, the tapping of telephones then only it can be done now all that is being thrown to the winds in this new uh, act which has come in which has already been now uh, 
uh, you know, uh, it is completed. It's now a full-fledged act. It's been passed in both houses, and the president of India has uh, has signed on it. And so it's it's part of the law. And of course, we can challenge it uh, and have it. And uh, I am with my colleagues in uh, in, uh, in in law who are with me, who work with me, uh, you know, who deal, uh, who do their law work with me. They with them uh, like Satya Sabarwal and uh, and uh, and Kanodia and uh, and uh, Parth and so many uh, other people who are part of our legal team, and so uh, we are uh, preparing a, a a challenge, and uh, we hope uh, to give you some of those things uh, later on. But today is actually. Uh, the the field is uh, for Dr. Venkat to speak as freely as long as he wants, uh, put it in a very clear thing, what it is all about and how it is it is extraordinary and how it is a violation of the fundamental rights, even considering the reasonable restrictions. So uh, with that, uh, I will say that uh, I would particularly like uh, Dr. Uh, Venkat to deal with this question of uh, uh, Article, uh, uh, I think it's Article 3, uh, Section 3 of the Act, uh, Section 3, uh, which uh, deals with uh, the question of privacy and uh, uh, 3 bracket 7, Clause 3 bracket 7. And he should, uh, um, uh, he should. Uh, deal with the, uh, as freely as he wants, but I would like him to focus uh, a bit also on three bracket seven. Over to you, Dr. Venkat. Thank you, Somi. Um, I want to begin by making a few points uh, in support of the new act. Now, astute listeners and watchers um, will have guessed uh, that what will follow is not undiluted praise. So um, let's get the compliments out of the way early on. First of all, um, no one can deny that there is a need for modernization of the law in this area. The prior legislation in the form of the uh, Indian Telegraph Act 1885 and the uh, Indian Wireless Telegraphy Act uh, 1933 had clearly outlived their purposes. In fact, they had the potential to invite ridicule because, among other things, telegraphy is a concept which has died throughout the world. Uh, in the UK, the telegram service was discontinued in 1982, while in India, the last telegram was accepted for delivery in 2013 after being uh, available for some 160 odd years previously. Uh, by coincidence, I happened to be in India on the day before the service was uh, discontinued. And to mark the occasion, I remember going to the Central Telegraph office in Bombay and sending telegrams to a few friends. But of course, thanks to the inefficiency of the postal department, not all of those telegrams were delivered. Um, but on a more serious note, um, I want to make the point that there was no, there's no way a law of that vintage can support the enormous advances in communication technologies that have taken place in recent decades. Therefore, there was a strong case for updating and modernizing the law. And to that extent, there cannot be any fundamental objection to the passing of the new legislation in this area. I would incidentally strongly disagree with the view that laws should be changed or repealed merely because they are colonial in origin. The test for reform should, in my view, be whether the law in question is fit for purpose or not. But that is a point about which not many people in India seem to be particularly concerned. Uh, it has become fashionable to use colonialism as an argument uh, and a justification for all manner of actions as if uh, nothing further needs to be said 
to justify any change. A second point I want to make in favor of the new law is that it would be foolish and unacceptable for anyone to argue that the state should not have any power to intercept communications without the consent or knowledge of the parties involved. In a modern society, there are strong reasons why such a power is needed. An obvious example is to combat and prevent crime, uh, including, of course, serious organized crime and terrorism. Uh, another example would be to protect national security. The challenge, however, for democratic societies and societies that swear by the rule of law is to ensure that such a power is kept within reasonable bounds and that it is not misused or abused. How that is done, I may have something to say uh, about a little later. A third point that needs to be made in favor of the new law is that it is not per se unreasonable for the state to possess the power to license the establishment and uh, operation of telecommunication networks or to require those offering telecom services to the public to seek governmental authorization, which the new law does. These fall within the normal regulatory powers of governments, including democratic governments. But these powers should not be allowed to be exercised arbitrarily and without sufficient safeguards against abuse uh, of those provisions. And therein lies a huge challenge. Um, a case can also be made for the allocation and management by the state of the radio spectrum, which is needed for mobile communication. This is partly because the spectrum is limited and has to be used for various uh, competing uh, lawful purposes, and partly because as a common resource, the state exchequer would be justified in generating revenue, which can then be used for uh, the public good in much the same way that uh, certain charges are levied for the use of other infrastructural facilities, for example, tolls on highways. Here again, there should be no room for arbitrariness and the allocation should be done in a fair and transparent manner. Um, what else can be said in favor of the new law? Uh, at a rather practical and, and mundane level, the act has provisions for regulating rights of way for those intending to lay telecom infrastructure, uh, for example, cables or cell towers on both public and private property. Uh, this is also unexceptionable, and if it is done properly and fairly, it can avoid a lot of chaos and disputes. There is one other good thing, in my view, in the Act, and it has to do with requiring telecom service providers to seek and obtain prior consent from users of those services when they wish to send out promotional, that is, uh, marketing and other optional messages. Coupled with this is the creation of what they call a do not disturb register, which is long overdue in India. I have to say, however, that I remain skeptical about the effectiveness of these provisions, because as I hope you'll agree, a major problem in India is that while there's no dearth of laws, there are serious deficiencies in the enforcement of those laws. And given the uh, sclerotic state of the justice system, even if a conscientious administrator uh, decides to take enforcement action, he will probably find it a frustrating uh, exercise. So, having said all that can be said in favor of the Act, I will now turn to uh, talk about um, what is worrying, even deeply worrying, about it. I'll try to be as moderate in my comments as possible while being conscious of the fact that many critics have expressed mm -hmm. themselves very strongly, both before its passage through parliament and after. I cannot claim to offer an exhaustive critique, mainly because our time is limited, but I'll try to highlight some major issues of concern. For a start, the act allows for a serious invasion of personal privacy. Uh, a, a point which uh, has already been flagged by Swami. That is both worrying and ironic because recent years have seen an increasing emphasis on the so-called 
right to privacy. I say so-called because, as I have pointed out in previous lectures, I'm not convinced that there is or should be a right to privacy, mainly because defining such a right in law is fraught with all kinds of challenges. I would argue that it is reasonable for everyone to have an expectation of privacy, which of course is context dependent, and that such an expectation should be protected and fulfilled by the legal system. The Indian courts have actually gone much further and tried to enshrine a right to privacy. Again, something that Swami has already referred to, for example, in the uh, Puttaswamy case. And elements of this right seem to be recognized by the uh, legislature as well. Uh, for example, in the uh, data protection legislation that was passed last August. Against that background, the Telecoms Act is definitely regressive. For a start, it authorizes the interception of messages sent via telecom networks and their disclosure in what it calls intelligible format without making any exemptions for encrypted platforms through which many messages go um, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in contemporary times. Uh, and this can be done according to the law on the occurrence of any public emergency or in the interests of public safety. This is deeply worrying because apart from the vagueness of the language used in the relevant provisions, one of the fundamental features of end-to-end -end, uh, encrypted platforms is that messages cannot be accessed by anyone <clears throat> other than the sender and the intended uh, recipient, and this includes the service provider. By breaching this important security safeguard, not only is the privacy of individuals invaded, but there's a real risk that many of the providers of end-to-end -end encrypted services, such as uh, uh, WhatsApp, which has now become an ubiquitous tool of communication to over 2 billion people worldwide, will withdraw from the Indian market, denying hundreds of millions there a vital service. Um, furthermore, the act allows the government to dictate to service providers what it calls standards and um, conformity assessment measures on encryption and data processing, which may weaken st uh, existing standards and privacy respecting innovations. This is not something to be lightly dismissed as simply technical and esoteric. There is uh, also another worrying section under which the government can insist that telecom equipment and services can only be procured from trusted sources. What those trusted sources are is left vague. And also that uh, the government can suspend telecom services from countries and persons notified by it, including on grounds of affecting friendly relations with foreign states, a dangerously vague uh, phrase. Crucially, the act confers on the government unreasonably wide surveillance and interception powers in relation to the contents of communications without judicial or other independent oversight. It is true that the Indian legal system is creaking under the weight of areas to the point of collapse. But there are still some vigilant and independent magistrates and judges up and down the land who can be relied upon to check abuses. And to deny them the power to do so is, in my view, inexcusable. It is also my view that judicial oversight has the potential to ensure that such wide-ranging, some would say draconian powers, are exercised with care and having due regard to the principles of necessity and proportionality on the one hand, and to the uh, rules of fair play and natural justice on the other, even if those principles are not um, explicitly stated in the legislation itself. Another disquieting feature of the act is that it entrenches the existing powers of the government to suspend uh, telecom services without adequate safeguards. This has been seen by many analysts as particularly troublesome, given that internet shutdowns, sometimes for prolonged periods, 
are a frequent occurrence in India. Now, there are a number of other provisions which also can be critiqued or at least questioned, such as those for appointments of um, uh, members and chairperson uh, of the uh, telecoms regulatory authority, uh, the exception made um, for allocation of spectrum through an administrative process, as they call it, and not through auctions in certain circumstances, the power to, to make rules on types of acceptable biometric-based identification for those willing, uh, wishing to use um, uh, telecom services. And the fear here is that this may be a backdoor method of bringing in Aadhaar into such transactions. Also, uh, prescription of severe penalties for certain offenses. For example, if someone obtains a SIM card using another person's identity documents, he can be jailed for up to three years and asked to pay a penalty of up to 50 lakh uh, rupees and so on and so forth. Um, I don't have the time uh, or the or the information to go into all those other provisions, uh, nor have I, I must confess, read the act exhaustively. But I know that concerns have been expressed by domestic commentators at length on these matters also. Um, quite clearly, there are also bigger and longer term issues which cannot be ignored. Chief among these, I would say, is the future of digital communication services in India and the healthy growth of the IT and telecom sectors. If it is perceived that regulation is becoming heavy-handed and unreasonable, both domestic and foreign players in this sector will think twice before investing in or expanding their operations in India. The ensuing laws will affect both the government and ordinary users of digital services, which <coughs> cannot be to anybody's benefit. So. In conclusion, I would argue that, uh, as I indicated at the beginning, that the Telecoms Act, while welcome in some respects, especially in terms of modernizing the law in this area, does raise many serious concerns which need to be addressed. It is unlikely that the government or parliament will revisit the law at this stage. So the only hope is that despite the absence of any explicit judicial safeguards in the Act, the courts will, when cases are brought before them in due course, engage in a close scrutiny of its provisions and interpret them consistently with the constitutional guarantees of due process, fundamental uh, rights, and the rule of law. Um, who knows, they may even strike down some of the more problematic provisions as the Supreme Court did in relation to the um, uh, Information Technology Act not so long ago. And I'm happy to hear that Swami himself is uh, proposing to challenge the act in the Supreme Court. And I, for one, will be watching any action that he brings with a lot of interest. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Venkatesh, Venkat, rather, um, uh, you have posed the issues very uh, succinctly. Uh, we uh, we are not too much concerned about uh, updating or bringing to, to the modern level the uh, the acts which have been uh, uh, originally passed in the 19th century and early 20th century. Where, that's a, a that is uh, it's a, it's not a uh, it should have been done a long time ago. Mm. Uh, but what we are concerned about is say for example the Pegasus thing that we have got from the Israelis. If that is put there without notice, uh, it is in fact a, a, a gross interference in the uh, privacy of uh, of individuals. How is a individual supposed to know? If uh, Pegasus has been uh, planted in your uh, uh, telephone communications, so that that is uh, one example I'm giving you, where uh, it's uh, not that the governments have a right to find out and so on. There is no place in which there is a way of knowing 
that uh, you, you have been uh, uh, your uh, telephone conversation is being taped without your knowledge and uh, so that's the issue on which uh, we are concerned with and uh, consequently uh, uh, you know the uh, the uh, right to uh, to privacy uh, you may think it's not a fundamental right but it's always a subject to reasonable restrictions there's no fundamental right in our constitution or uh, supreme court's judgments which is now where the right is not subject to reasonable restrictions so what i would say is that we should uh, not give this blanket power to the government that they can plant a pegasus uh, in anybody's uh, telephone and it is for you to find out that it has been so done i say that it should require the government uh, to make out a case that there is a reasonable reasonable uh, reasonableness of the restrictions and then it should be allowed like this there are some other aspects uh, uh, which uh, which i think our other colleagues will raise i would like you to correspond that don't you think that it's extraordinary that you can plant the pegasus for example without having to declare that you have planted it you see uh, if supposing you told me and even if as a criminal i'll just say what i'll open a new a new telephone uh, line and by the time you discover that uh, uh, that you that you have a new telephone line uh, you have done whatever you wanted to communicate uh, so um, what is it that they gain by putting this and uh, in fact all that is going to happen is that uh, the conversations of almost everybody is going to be uh, recorded and it will literally mean that we are a state like the soviet union the soviet union was today russia is china i think we are not there we won't be qualified to be called a democratic country if this is the kind of restriction placed on free free speech Yeah, can I respond? Sure, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are many things there um, which are entirely relevant and appropriate. So first of all, um, part of what you are raising has to do with the right to know, which is uh, nowadays considered to be also uh, a fundamental right. And you can either look at it as a standalone right, or you can look at it as part of the right to freedom of expression, which also includes the freedom to receive information and that to some extent to a limited extent has already been enshrined in indian law now of course the difficulty i have whenever i discuss indian law is that the law is one thing the practice is quite another so uh, don't hold me to actually um, uh, effectively you know uh, making the case that because there is a law that everything is working well but uh, let me just try to outline the main uh, points so there's a right to know now obviously the right to know law which in india is called the uh, right to information act has exemptions and one of the big exemptions is national security so if for example the government decided yeah. to plant something like uh, pegasus they will obviously try to justify it by saying it has to do with national security there's no way i have to stop you there yeah you see uh, i agree with you that there are national security issues where you can't inform the person that listen uh, you are a national security risk according to us and we are going to tap your telephone i'm not saying that i'm saying that they should, they can always put in a sealed cover and give it to the supreme court or the high court or whatever court you decide to nominate somebody must be there to be able to assess that you are making a, a, a your, your judgment is uh, has merit in uh, in uh, uh, in tapping the telephone of somebody just the government yeah. thinks that it should be done and there should be no uh, one else to know about it so you know what will happen is that you will they will do it in almost everybody including your girlfriends and <laughs> and many of them do have girlfriends uh, and you know uh, they they can uh, uh, there's no way of uh, of detecting it all i'm saying is that okay you have the power 
to tap. But there must be some agency which is of judicial uh, status where it is told that this we are doing it and because uh, it is required and these are the prima facie data we have uh, which requires it to be done. And I, uh, the judiciary definitely uh, would uh, be as patriotic as anybody else in deciding that you know that uh, something needs to be done and something that doesn't need to be done yeah i was about to Sorry. come to that so ah. um you you're absolutely right we do need and there are actually um uh, agencies that um, do precisely that kind of uh, work so let me yeah. give you the example of the uk so mm. what we have here is a special committee of the of parliament which yeah. has the power to question ministers on oath um, on these matters. And of course, it also has the power for understandable reasons, something to do with what you just referred to as the sealed cover process. I'm personally completely against the sealed cover process, particularly in relation yeah. to the judiciary. But keep that one side. What the committee can do is to also sit in closed sessions because obviously the operational side of national security um, um, matters cannot be disclosed legitimately in certain circumstances. Of course, the real difficulty is any government will try to hide behind the national security screen, even if they're doing yeah. things which, strictly speaking, are not intended to protect national security or to further national security interests. But at least there will be parliamentary scrutiny. And of course, the difficulty in India is this. Um, as you know, parliamentary scrutiny in India is um, not quite as strong as it should be. I'm, I'm being very careful. I'm using very mild language. I could use much stronger stuff. Uh, but, you know, you, you only have to look at what happened recently um, in the situation involving uh, that lady who was expelled from parliament. Now, this was uh, done by a parliamentary committee uh, with no due process at all. Now, I, I'm not talking about the the merits or demerits of uh, Mahua Mitra's case. I'm simply telling you in awesome. principle, parliamentary committees have turned out to be so impotent uh, and biased that I begin to wonder whether that will work. Now, there's another possible solution uh, along the lines that you have in mind, and that is to actually have a tribunal which will go yes. into these matters in closed session. That is also something we are used to in the UK. Uh, intelligence and security tribunal or something like that can be devised, uh, which will have the power, the authority to actually question the government uh, yeah. very intensely on these matters, at least to the extent of disclosure of whether something uh, of concern has been done or not done without revealing the details of how it is operationalized. And quite frankly, along with that, I would also add there is a need for a very clearly defined code on which the government should act, even in relation to uh, matters that need to be kept secret. Uh, yeah. It is perfectly possible, for example, to use the principles of proportionality, uh, the principle that no collateral damage is done. In other words, you are trying to find out, for example, about the activities of a smuggler. You cannot justify any invasion of the privacy of the smuggler's children or family yes. members simply because you're investigating yeah. him. So there are ways in which it can be done. But you know, Swami, the real problem is this. All these things work only if you have people of competence and integrity yeah. and also dedication. That is where I, unfortunately, uh, have a lot of concerns. Now, it is possible that I'm being cynical. I, I'm willing to plead guilty to that. But I, I do think that uh, processes and mechanisms only go uh, up to a certain point. After that, the human factor kicks in. You know, So that's roughly how I would uh, deal with your question. Dr. Swami, quick thing. Very similar to what Venkat said. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Yes. Uh, the US has a court called the FISA court, Dr. Swami. It's foreign yes. intelligence. Uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. It's very similar. It was set up after 9-11 exactly for the same reason that Dr. Swami, what you're looking for, for threats, national security issues, 
you still don't have authority to go do warrantless wiretaps. That's exactly what this act is doing today. They have no authority. They can just say at whim. They're saying in public interest, what is the definition of public interest? There is nothing <laughs> in this saying that what does it mean by public interest? What is a threat? There is no definition for these terms and they just have broad powers. There's only one thing that I want to ask, Venkat. There's one provision, 51. It says, no suit, prosecution, or other legal proceedings shall lie against the central government, the state government, or any authority under this act, or any person acting on his behalf, as the case may be, for anything which is done in good faith, I don't know what that is, or intended to be done in pursuance of this act or any rule, regulation or order made there under what more do you need so you can't sue the government even if you're yeah. if your privacy is violated you know that yeah. they made a warrantless so like for example what happened in gujarat a while ago when somebody was chief minister they made warrantless wiretaps on some some women you can just go wanton today and venkat the problem today is it's just not the central government that has got the power now it's they are also giving this to the state governments every state government is going to have a rogues I'm going out in and, and tapping people's phones, invading people's privacy, whether they have an expect, as you said, they should have an expectation of privacy, whether they have it today or not. But this kind of a blanket, you know, uh, protection saying that you can't sue me is, un is unheard of. I don't think there's any law in anywhere in the world. I don't think even maybe China, Russia, but I don't think that's not what India is. Having such a blanket protection saying that you can't sue the government or anybody. What does that mean? That the whole the entire act has been has been given this protection so they can actually throw in anything and they have said also in the subsequent place they said the central government may by just a notification and subject to conditions of previous publication make rules not inconsistent and provisional act to carry out so they can keep on amending stuff on this with absolutely they don't have to go back to the parliament they don't have to go to anybody they can just write write one line of thing and say this is also part of the act and and publish it under some gazette, under some obscure name, no one would even notice it. These kind of blanket powers are absolutely unreasonable. I think the intent, as you say, the act is good, and, and India is pathetic at executing these acts, and they always, in most of the 90% of the cases, it's used for abuse. I just wanted to make a point saying that my objection to this act is it's absolutely grossly wrong. The, it is written right, but badly implemented by giving such kind of powers to the government this is uncalled for without no no judicial oversight no parliamentary oversight and the way shamefully they passed this act when you when you sack when you kick your kick out 140 mps did not even have a time for discussion this is such an important yeah. act and you're saying that you want to you know modernize your act again what we were having in archaic ones i agree but it needs to be debated whether the other person is intelligent or not, it doesn't matter. There is a process. There's a parliamentary process. And you go do this. Tomorrow, if BJP flips and Congress comes, what do you think they're going to do? At that point in time, they're going to use these laws against you. What are you going to try? Who brought these laws? The, the, the problem with BJP idiots is they don't think long term. They only think today what Modi does. Modi is not going to live 10,000 years. Hey, easy on that. Easy on that. There are people in BJP who can think forward. <laughs> No, the, the basic idea, the concept is that we should look at our children, grandchildren, whatnot in the future. And these kind of laws are draconian. That's all. I just wanted to make a point because, Dr. Swami, I, I, this is my domain. I know what privacy is. I know what the uh, U.S. has gone through. Even during the attacks of 9-11, the Congress did not allow the government to have unlimited power. They said, no, you can't do warrantless wiretaps. You have to go through a FISA court. But unfortunately, this parliament was not allowed to function. And if this had been brought to debate, probably somebody would have suggested, okay, fine, you can have these laws, but hey, set up a FISA court or something to that effect. You can't just have, just go warrantless wiretaps, throw Pegasus on people's phones. This is scary. Ramesh, I mean, can I, can yeah, I respond just, yeah. just narrowly to the point that you raised at the start of your um, intervention? And that is to do with the clause which says no suit can be brought against the government, etc. Um, it is not um, an unusual clause, but don't read it literally, because if you had a competent, functioning, non-corrupt judiciary, there is a lot of leeway even within that clause, in spite of it being so broadly worded, for a judge to say, we will not allow this to stand in the way 
of a civil action being brought against the government. Because do remember the phrase good faith. It sounds very simple, but it's potent with meaning in law. Good faith involves so many things. And it is very uh, easy for a judge who is so minded to actually say what you have done is not in good faith and therefore this clause does not apply. But you need judges of competence yeah. and courage. How many of you find in India today? Sadly, That's the point. Um, you know, uh, I can't see uh, too many of in India. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. I mean, the uh, the issue is yeah. competent, knowledgeable, uh, you know, who is very strong in his virtues and values. How many judges do we have in India? That's the question. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Swami. So, Swami, you wanted to say something? No, no. I, I let the others speak it first. Yeah, I want to uh, say something uh, in favor or as well as against. Now, in favor, of course, uh, we required the law because the, the other laws were uh, centuries old, uh, 1993 or 1933, 1850, 85, and 1950, and all that. So, new law was needed. Technology has progressed, and with technology, the communication has changed. Whole world of communication has changed, and therefore, we need a new law. Fine. Now, as far as the taping of the phone is concerned, and the powers given to the central government or a state government is concerned, even when the powers were not written, there were unwritten powers with the state government. We, I, Dr. Swami would certainly know, and those who have a sense of history would also recall that in 1988, Chief Minister of Karnataka, Mr. Hegde, Ram Krishan Hegde, had uh, telephoned, uh, had tapped the telephones of his party colleagues, his ministers, and I mean, um, uh, I have not say and everything. everything. And his girlfriends also. Yes, yes. Now, now, same thing happened. I mean, it has been all, going on. All in good faith. All in good People faith. People have been challenging. People, all in good <laughs> faith. And all, all in public interest. All in public interest. And even party colleagues, people who have been uh, ministers in the cabinet. Now, same thing continued for years, despite all these uh, uh, protests. And very recently, when Ashok Gailot was the chief minister of Rajasthan, same thing was accused against Ashok Gailot also. I mean, he was also tapping the telephone. So let's take from 1988 or to 2023. I mean, it's 35 years, same thing has been going on. And in between, you had this mega espionage called Pegasus. And we all know that we had a we devoted a complete discussion on this very forum. Uh, on Pegasus and uh, uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, whether he ordered it or who ordered it, who, who purchased this uh, technology, we do not know yet because there was no uh, probe. And even when there were uh, cases in the court, the court also gave all, almost something like a clean shit and said that there's, yes, uh, the, the people who have been victimized, they should have cooperated and this and that and whatever, but it has gone under the carpet. And so, therefore, the law was needed and nothing new would change even when the law was not written and law was not there. Then also these things are going on and even now the things are going on. And then when, when the new uh, uh, Telecommunication Act uh, is implemented, I think same thing will continue. My reading is that in this country, the dictatorship is on the way. Yes, 2024. 2024 is going to be a very important case, the election that is going to take place. The government is almost moving towards one-party system, unwritten one-party system. Now, the thing is, whether you write in the constitution or you don't write in the constitution, if one person runs the whole country, one person who, who, who is not even a railway minister goes and in, inaugurates the railway platform, who is not a civil aviation minister goes and inaugurates a, a airport, uh, it, this, I mean, the person has captured the power and the person is so hungry for the power. I'm not naming the person. You can all guess who I'm talking about. And this uh, act will only add to the power of this, this person or these kind of persons. Whosoever comes in 24, we do not know yet. But this law will certainly help the person who has government or who not had the government. And therefore, the power will be centralized in one person's hand and in, in center and in states also the person who had the state government will also misutilize this law. 
so uh, this is the freedom is going to be compromised this is the biggest danger in this country uh just uh, one short comment on what uh, alin have... said just one short comment go ahead dr swami all this information will go only to the prime minister it will not go to the home minister it will not go to the uh, uh, to the uh, foreign minister it will not go to the senior ministers uh, who are uh, in the warrant of precedence uh, number 1 and uh, number 1 number 2 number 3 you see it will be the prime minister and he will be the only uh, person who will get to see all this and he will appoints his own uh, people he'll protect them so there has to be some uh, a some Mechanism. counter somewhere counter here yes no i yeah, have uh, some comments to make yeah i have mm. some comments to make many people today on our show that is the panel are those people who by ideology and by their action have fought the emergency and all these various laws i think venkat also will agree because indirectly directly uh dr swami he and many others who are on the panel were against the emergency mr yeah. narendra modi also claimed that he worked in the emergency and i am aware that he spoke against the telephone tapping he spoke against dictatorship he came to the railway maninagar railway station to keep a watch on dr swami and see that his luggage was carried forward and all that so what i want to say is there are parties in power there are opposition parties but when we talk about democracy we must rise above all this so the janta culture or the janta parties i would say the janta parivars came out of the struggle against the emergency so these yes. parties at least owe their existence to this second freedom struggle against indira gandhi's dictatorship if we coming to power and using the same weapon doesn't make us then any different so I, this is as a comment i want to make another thing arvind was very much worried that one party rule and dictatorship one person ruling we heard all these stories during the emergency we were told indira gandhi ke baad mein san संजय गांधी संजय गांधी के बाद में उसका कुत्ता ये देश पे राज करेगा बट आई थिंक वी मस्ट हैव सम फेथ इन द लॉर्ड रामाज ग्रैंड टेम्पल आफ्टर 500 हंड्रेड ईयर्स वी आर गोइंग टू बी पुटिंग अप इन अयोध्या टू द स्ट्रगल ऑफ दैट 500 हंड्रेड ईयर ओल्ड स्ट्रगल सो डोंट टेक द इंडियन पीपल सो लाइटली एंड एज डॉक्टर स्वामी ऑलवेज एज बीन से the illiterate masses of north india wiped out the gandhi dynasty perhaps indira gandhi declared the election on the 18th of january 1977 with the hope that she will bring this controlled democracy or controlled dictatorship but she was wiped out people of india are quite intelligent my, my main question now to dr venkat iyer is which are the democratic countries or large democracies like uk usa and other parts of the world does such similar law exist anywhere else in progressive and large democracies this is my question to dr venkat iyer yeah this sir, is an important sorry i said this is an important question is there yeah, any yeah. parallel yeah. democratic yeah. country uh the, the the crucial word there is democratic countries and actually i would say free countries so um uh, <laughs> definitely definitely not of that sweeping nature you know there are other aspects of this law which can also be criticized which i have not done for example why should in a free country people be required to um go through a huge bureaucratic procedure to obtain a sim card now to my mind this is not as trivial as it might seem because the answer given typically by a bureaucrat or a politician is oh if we allowed people to obtain sim cards uh, without uh, verification 
then terrorists will buy SIM cards in large numbers. Do you think realistically that terrorists actually go uh, and 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 go through these uh, official procedures when they want to get something? So uh, at the same time, what you're doing is you're of course causing a huge amount of inconvenience to ordinary law-abiding law decent people. So I, I also read somewhere, I haven't been able to verify this, that there is a penalty under this law which says if a person buys more than nine SIM cards using the using a particular form of identification, then they are committing an offense. Now, these are all completely stupid laws, quite apart from draconian. Now, therefore, uh, Jagdish, your, your question is very apposite. And all I would say is uh, the short answer is no. Uh, democratic countries do not uh, have laws of this amplitude. Having said that, I do go back to what I said at the beginning of my, my, my talk, and that is that you cannot therefore say there should be no law. That would be going to the other extreme, which would be totally unacceptable because clearly there is a justification for some of the measures that are contemplated under this law, except that there have to be safeguards. The real difficulty with this law is That's not so much the power, but the safeguards are lacking. And to make it worse, uh, you have very weak institutions, for example, the judiciary, uh, which if the judiciary was strong, quite frankly, I wouldn't mind a weak law because judges can rectify uh, some of the defects in the law up to a point. Obviously, you know, there are limits. But um, if you have a combination of all this, plus corruption, mismanagement, uh, a total collapse of ethical values, then I think um, you're definitely uh, uh, in deep trouble. Well, just to add Richard, to your Before point, you uh, conclude, before... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I, have, a, I, I have a point. Uh, Venkat, I, yeah, Dr. Yeah, go on, you, you yeah, speak, Dr. Swami, uh, you on. can finish. No, no, yeah, no, no. Okay. You finish your question, then I'll put up this question for Venkat. Okay. See, some of the people watching this show have correctly pointed out that if you are really after big uh, uh, crooks, hmm. They are not going to use your this these telephones. They will use satellite phones, which That's is totally out of your control. So I mean, uh, they have to be serious. This is ultimately going to only affect the middle class and nobody else. Yeah. And from whom the blackmail can result very easily because they, you are creating a situation where uh, officials become very important. They can come and say, uh, you know, uh, that we are going to. Put you in jail, uh, and you know uh, people get frightened. Uh, you're just what you're going to do is make people clamp up on speaking frankly. Yeah, yeah. which points actually to the need again for yeah, even-handed uh, enforcement, yeah. um, yes. and, no. and, and also uh, technically competent people to deal with these things. But of course, the other problem there is political interference. Even if you had an honest officer in the intelligence services who would um, apply his mind and try to nab the serious criminals, uh, there's a fair chance that he'll be thwarted by uh, corrupt politicians. Yeah. Sorry, Jagdish. Yeah, Venkat, uh, some yeah. cynical, you know, just see the question on the screen and yeah. people are trying to justify the act saying what is displayed. But please tell the viewers yeah. the consequences of Watergate. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I guess uh, Ramesh should be in a better position to. No, because to, our viewers, uh, viewers may yeah. want to know the consequences. Yeah, I think. Uh, Can I read it out for you? It's very simple. Where the the pres the, the the any power per person in power has this kind of an authority yeah. that they just a wiretap, warrantless wiretap on people, and. I think this particular law gives them that power today. I, and they've given it not only at the state level, I mean, at central level, they've given it to the central level, the state, and any person that they deem fit, which is that's what I, I am really worried about. Because you really don't know, at down at a secretary level or even at an undersecretary level, or anybody can just jump in and do something and say, hey, the, the minister has already given me the power or something. So they might even have a blanket one and they can keep going at people. So I think it is a very, very, very slippery slope. This law, as you said, almost no safeguards. 
I think that's exactly what I think Dr. Swami is. Uh, I'm obviously Dr. Swami or anybody else for that matter with the same mind is going to challenge this in the yeah. court of law because yeah. this has to be challenged. This, ha this has to be tested in the courts. And I think the Supreme Court needs to take cognizance of this absolute lack of any safeguards and any oversight in giving such powers to for the government to take control and not only just wiretap record, they, they have also provisions that they can just take over entire telephone networks and do Indeed. whatever they choose necessary. That is on very far, vague grounds. Very vague grounds is extremely, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. very extreme because yeah. you can just shut down things and basically they're justifying the internet shutdowns where it happened in Manipur for six months, eight months, I mean, months together. Yeah. Those things are absolutely wrong in a democratic setting. Now, I'm not saying in China or Russia, North Korea, forget it. Go, go at it. But in a democratic setup like India, it in a long term, it, it is ex is very very scary. And people, yeah. I mean, I I don't. I mean, the Andhbaks and Andhbaks have no brains. They think as long as there is a Hindutva government, I don't care. It's kind of a stupid thing to say because mm -hmm. you know you guys have no idea how democracy works. You just sit inside and just. Like what, uh, you know, you, you just don't have any clue how this democracy works and yeah. technology per se. They're just sitting in and writing stuff on and, on stuff without they have no authority that tomorrow the government can just shut them down. Yeah. You know? Ravan's government was also Hindutva government, huh? just for your information. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, true. Yeah. And the Brahmin yeah. government. Too, anyway. <laughs> <And> the Brahmin. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Venkat, the, the key issue here, as far as, yeah. which is, I think it's pretty obvious for the judiciary, and even from Dr. Swami, I mean, I'm an illiterate in law, but at least I understand the implications of such laws from a technology standpoint. Because yeah. if I, if you give me these powers as a technical guy, as a guy who knows security, I can run havoc in the country. Literally, yeah. if I'm one of the undersecretaries, even a lower level secretary in a government, all I need is just my highly educated minister who's not even passed a third class. You just write a document, he's going to sign it. You have the authority to do anything, which is stupidity with no oversight. I can just run roost. I can just tap anybody's phone at whim. Let him go to courts and say, okay, he they tapped. Let's see, 20 years later, we will decide what the court does. Whether I'm alive or he's alive is a different issue. Yeah. The the fundamental aspect is not it's not more than more than as Dr. And, and you said that violation of privacy, it is violation of fundamental rights per se. Saying that you have you know, you have no idea as to why you are being tapped. I you, there is no reason you are being a normal taxpaying citizen. It doesn't stop the government from spying on you. It needs to understand, saying, okay, like as I said, there needs to be a FISA court. There needs to be somebody who says, okay, fine, your wiretap is reasonable enough. You have given me enough reasons to go ahead. Okay, go ahead. In heights of 9-11, when FBI, CIA, and all the three-letter agencies in America were running after people, tapping phones, in spite of that, it still happened in America. I'm just saying it didn't happen. In spite of all of this nonsense happened, even today it continues to do so. But at least there was a mechanism in place to put these law enforcement agencies because you give law enforcement, you give power to people and you give more power to them, they'll abuse it. There's absolutely no doubt about it because I work in the law enforcement industry. I work in, in electronic surveillance and in all these industries. So I know what unbridled power can do. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, what, anything else I can we can conclude. No, I, I would like to say that yeah, uh, recently, uh, uh, recently, uh, the foreign uh, minister has gone to Moscow and uh, made peace with him because earlier on, uh, he we canceled his two visits to India, we uh, canceled many other agreements that were to be there. Uh, in view of the fact that we thought that the Americans uh, uh, would be buddy-buddy uh, with Moody, but it's not turned out to be so. So now the dangerous part is that foreign affairs, uh, we have now, the Chinese have occupied 4,600 kilometers, square kilometers of land in India, and nobody is talking about it. And uh, so... I think uh, what we are doing is creating the climate by which uh, Mr. Modi can uh, make India into, uh, uh, you know, b b even Putin has elections, by the way. So elections is not an indication of democracy per se. And uh, so do the Chinese have at uh, the local level. 
and so uh, we may end up uh, India end up with a dictatorship and we will all be responsible for having not raised our voice at that time right can't get a professor namaskaram as we said in tamil you go do suri namaskar after you go blind <laughs> yes uh, venkat you want to say anything before we close up arvin no nothing at all well actually the only thing i would say is uh, i uh, hope that your uh, legal challenge uh, goes forward and that um, you have some success that's uh, at the moment the only hope because this bill is now done and dusted uh, by parliament it has been signed into law uh, and so if you are lucky you get uh, conscientious judges who would at least strike down two or three crucial provisions in the law which are so blatant in terms of their uh, defiance of um, uh, uh, fundamental rights and the rule of law but as always being as cynical as i am i would be uh, a, a little um, cautious about uh, coming to a conclusion that the judiciary is definitely going to strike this law down you had a number of recent judgments which um, tell you um, what is the flavor of the month so anyway good luck and i'll keep um, uh, uh, watching with um, great interest Dr. Well, I think you could give us a, a, you, you can give, you can give us some five six points out of the reading of the uh, act and tell us that these are the ones which also, you, if you are not already doing it, should be included in the challenge. Absolutely, more than happy to. <laughs> But um, it could be a person challenge because you know uh, if it if it comes to the attention of some of the judges sitting today in the Supreme Court that I had a hand in. Uh, uh, your petition, you can be sure that uh, that would be a good reason for them to uh, to give you short shrift. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> I have enough one anecdote of status in the courts <laughs> to see that nobody think that Venkat can uh, swing a, a, a you know bowl of googly to me. <laughs> no, uh, Doctor Swami, one interesting anecdote when a telecom bill yes. was uh, brought by Rajiv Gandhi. that then yes. presidents jail singh and rangatraman jumped it they did not sign the bill i hope this president had got the, had the i mean time to review and say okay this doesn't look good but i guess you know she just blindly signed it very sad very sad yeah she was chosen for that yeah it's very sad that this bill is passed without even without any due process that's shameful yeah. arvind ji please conclude yeah i think uh, very timely this discussion was organized by vhs and this platform because this is a uh, act which is going to challenge the freedom of individual in this country and uh, uh, bring in some kind of undeclared emergency we have been opposing emergency even the people in power today they were they were uh, the claimants said that they also opposed uh, emergency as jagdish mentioned in his uh, uh, this small remark but whatever was being opposed 40 years ago is now being done by the same people so this is a challenge to individual freedom and uh, the liberty and i'm sure uh, what uh, dr swami is going to do is something similar to what he did in 1975 he challenged the dictatorship of indira gandhi and though we cannot officially say that bjp government under modi is a dictatorship government but it is heading towards that and if this act is implemented and if it is not challenged it should not go on challenge and therefore it is important for people like dr swami to uh, oppose it and uh, to challenge it in the court we hope that uh, 2024 in few hours time 2023 is uh, going to go and uh, next next uh, the son of the first son of 2024 will emerge we hope this sun this 2024 will also bring hope and liberty to the people and some good sense will prevail on people who are implementing this kind of anti people policies we'll be meeting again uh, next sunday but before that we must thank dr venkatrayer he has been part of vhs programs earlier also and it was wonderful uh, uh, i missed in the beginning because of some technical reason i could not join but it was wonderful whatever the uh, 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 description you have given of this act 
and the dangers that you have mentioned these dangers should be taken seriously uh, serious note of by each individual thank you thank you dr swami and uh, uh, thanks for informing that you are going to challenge this uh, act in the supreme court and we hope uh, uh, we, we we pray for the success of uh, your uh, case against the government thanks jagdish thanks ramesh swami thank i thank the technical team again since we are completing 220 episodes today and now we will be meeting only in 2024 a big thank for the technical team led by ashish shetty gadgi rakesh ishwar ayer swaminathan tejesh naval gul vishal mehta najesh nayar this team has done wonders and our program has reached far and wide because of the expertise of this team thank you thank you all we will be meeting again next sunday in new year with a new program and new hope thank you very much till then namaskar jai hind thank you jai hind